You're listening to Addiction Support Podcast, episode number 11. You will get all of the rewards in life that you want. Hi, Oak Creek Wellness family. Welcome to Addiction Support Podcast, where I talk with inspiring people who share their knowledge and experience of addiction and what's working for them. This is addiction support for family and friends from people who've been there. I'm your host, Melissa Sue Tucker. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Addiction Support Podcast. It is kind of late for me on Wednesday night, but I want to get this out for you guys because I'm really excited. Um, This interview I recorded a while ago, actually. It was one of my first interviews that I did. So if I sound a little nervous, I am. And I just... So here's the reality. The man that I'm interviewing, his name is Al Paparelli, and he was my relationship coach. I hired him back in 2009 after going through yet another breakup where it was basically the same scenario, just a different guy. And I realized that I had something that I needed to change and I didn't, you know, I kind of knew what it was, but I wasn't able to change it basically. And the reality is I love this man with all of my heart next to my husband and my children you know, I have an 18-year-old son. So next to my husband and him, he is my favorite man in the whole entire world. I highly recommend him to everybody that I talk to that's having relationship issues. Um, I just, I can't say enough good things about him. If it, There's two things I've done in my life that have helped me be successful and helped me take control and be responsible for my actions. And doing my coaching and giving it everything I had with Al Pepperelli back in 2009 is one of those two things. If it were not for him and for me doing the work and taking on the coaching and actually implementing it in my life, I would not have my husband. I would not be doing this today. I would not have my baby. Like There are so many of my things in my life that I can attribute to his love and his support. So um, this podcast is about 30 minutes long, the interview. We talked for over two hours, so I'm probably going to you know, release future portions of it because there's so much value, but I wanted to commit, you know, stay to my commitment of keeping it close to half hour. So I just wanted to let you know that you can look forward to hopefully more in the future. And, um, I hope that you enjoy this episode. I actually hope that you listen to it more than once. There are so many nuggets. He shared, he starts out by sharing his story about how his father was a alcoholic and then goes into his story about being a workaholic and then what he's done around that and how he coaches other people. He's just a phenomenal man. So please enjoy, come back to the show notes, addictionsupportpodcast.com forward slash episode 11. I'll have all the information there and, um, As always, please subscribe on iTunes if you haven't. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you haven't. And I have a link at Addiction Support Podcast on how to subscribe and leave a a review. I love you guys from the bottom of my heart. I love you. And I hope that you get a lot out of this episode. Thanks. Encouraging, inspirational, and life-changing content that makes a difference. Created specifically for you by OakCreekWellness.com. We're here today on the Addiction Support Podcast for friends and family from people who've been there with somebody that I love and has helped me through so much, Al Paparelli. Al, I've had Al be my relationship coach in the past, 
and have had amazing results as a result of working with him. And he's just a dear friend and he's somebody that gets it. So Al, I wanted to have you come on and share your experience and your story to some extent. Okay. Thank you, Melissa. Um, I am honored to be on the, on the podcast and, um, I'm glad that you chose me. Um, we do go way back, and you are one of my favorite people in the whole world. So this is, uh, <laughs> Likewise. This is something that uh, that I uh, I enjoy to do. Um, I was raised in a family uh, where um, there were a number of addictions, and mostly my father was a hardcore alcoholic and gambler. And uh, sad to say, he was a womanizer. He, uh, he cheated on my mother, and uh, she knew about it, and he didn't hide it. And so he had uh, a number of addictions. And um, as a young boy, I remember mostly the, uh, the, the the bad stuff that happened because it wasn't usually uh, the good stuff that happens when we deal with people that have addictions. His, uh, his addiction was even more than alcohol. Um, later in life, he... Uh, he uh, hurt himself and had uh, 16 major surgeries on his back and his neck. And candidly, I do believe that uh, he uh, sometimes didn't need those surgeries, but he was so addicted in so many senses that uh, he liked the uh, pain medication that he got after the surgeries, and he would uh, manipulate the doctors to get as much pain medication Back then, they were, they were called Emprim, Emprim 4s, which were four grains of codeine, and um, he, uh, he really um, abused them. He got to a point where he was taking over 40 of them a day, where anybody who is not, has not used a pain medication, um, you could barely tolerate two in a given day. So um, he, was, he was medicated most of the time. Um, what happens with in, in, our, in our family was that uh, my mother was an, an enabler who constantly complained about how her life was so terrible and how, how bad my father was to her and to everyone else and how embarrassed she is with her brothers and sisters with a big Italian family and um, uh, how he would behave when we went places. And uh, my brother and sister and I said, Mom, you know, it, this is not fun for us either. So we should probably do something about it. We'll support you. We'll, we'll figure it out. Let's, let's leave. This is just a terrible situation. Um, my brother is, was a pretty smart guy back then. He's an attorney now. And he said, mom, you know, I'll, I'll, we've got to get out of here. And she would sometimes garner some uh, energy to do that. Um, but before she knew it, she said, no, I love him. I, I can't leave him. And uh, so there's, a whole lot of dysfunction going on in that in that scenario. So that's that's how I was exposed to it. Um, and um, my brother and sister and I, uh, over the years, have stayed close. And I would say that um, we all have addictions. Um, mm. Some are uh, some are addictions that we can um, do in moderation, which I don't consider it an addiction then because it's, it's my belief that anything done in moderation is good. Um, and the reason I say that is because in moderation, you can, you're aware of what you're doing. 
you're conscious of it, and you're making a choice. Um, and that choice is to behave in a manner where it's it's not moving you away from your goal, nor towards it, your goal. You're just right there. So it is. It's a dangerous way to live, uh, either way. But if you're um, if you're overdoing something, I call it the all or nothing effect. Um, if you do, and you know, it's interesting. My father gave me this statement, and I really um, he hit home. Uh, he talked about addictions to me when I was younger, and uh, like he, he said, gave you uh, advice about it. Yeah, he gave me advice about it, and he, and oh, wow. he said uh, he said that uh, you know if you do anything that's that's all or nothing, especially all, and he, and he used the example of drinking water. He said you can actually die from drinking too much water because uh, the water will absorb into your organs uh, long before it can come out of your body, and you'll you'll literally drown to death. Now, I don't know the medical part of that, but mm-hmm. um, it opened my eyes to understanding that, you know, I believe that everybody has addictions. Everybody does. In one way or another, uh, if you golf a lot, you have an addiction because it's something that consumes you um, and you have to ask yourself, am I, am I ignoring something else in my life? Am I behaving well enough to feed my family or uh, am I honoring myself uh, in the way I treat myself and treat my 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 loved ones? So I think everybody has addictions, mm-hmm. and uh, I think human beings are just built that way, probably because of the society we live in and the availability of of the um, numbing effects we can have from the things that we do that please us. Yeah. So we either go towards pleasure or away from it. And um, when you can get in the middle of it, then you can at least have a a stronghold on your addictions. So um, for me, um, uh, I've been married three times. And uh, two of the times, uh, I'm now happily married. I found a wonderful woman who is uh, um, the best person that I know in this world, and uh, that was the reason that I fell in love with her. She was the nicest, kindest, sweetest person in the world. And um, the reason I got divorced twice is that I was addicted on working. Um, The mother of my children, who was my second wife, uh, had decided that she would stay home and take care of the kids, and I made the deal with her that uh, I'll make as much money as we need. I want to see our kids get raised in in a home where the the parents are there for them. Uh, However, I was working 70, 80, 90 hours a week in uh, um, the uh, car business, and I was rarely there for my children. Hmm. And um, um, so I I felt um, uh, vilified that I am taking care of my family, but what I wasn't doing was I wasn't giving them the thing that they needed most from me, and it's the thing that all children need, and really all people need. It's time and love. Yeah. And uh, I, I gave them love. There was no doubt that my children loved me, but they had so little time with me to enjoy that love. Uh, I don't think I saw 
have three kids and they were all involved in sports and two and three sports uh, each. And I don't think I, I spent uh, 10 outings there because they weren't, I was never available on the weekend. And that's when a lot of their sports were going on. So um, my addiction was, was to work there. And, and I'll be candid with you. Do I have an extra glass of wine when I probably shouldn't? Yes. And I, I'm reminded of uh, the look on my father's face when he was passed out on the couch. And um, and this was right after he he, he never hit my mother, but he, um, um, or us, he hit us. He hit the children. Um, he um, he emotionally abused her. He scared her. He raised his voice so loud. Uh, he was he was an oppressive figure. And uh, when he was drinking and drunk, he was he was just a terrible human being. Uh, we literally, when we knew he was on his way into the house, would hide underneath our beds and not come out until he had passed out. So uh, people who live with others who who are addicted. Um, are the are the victims, and then they start behaving like a, a victim too, and they fall so deep in that victim mentality that they find it very difficult to um, to get out of it. It can be really um, hard, and sometimes the people that you know maybe they're not the ones with the addiction, but they we fall into habits, right, and patterns where we don't believe that we can get out, or we don't know what to do to get out. That's one of the big fallouts, I, I believe, in, in people who live with others who have addictions. And, um, and they, don't, they don't have to be serious addictions either. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my, my first wife was um, uh, very addicted to, to physical fitness. And uh, she, ha- she could not leave the house and go, go and do something else until she had put eight miles in. Uh, on, the, on the road running wow. and she would run and run and run and it didn't matter if it was Christmas or New Year's and or Mother's Day um, she, she she that was her first and only priority I had to run or I don't feel right and that was that's that's a, a, a psychological addiction that I think is probably one of the toughest ones to endure because there's no convincing someone that it's it's not good for you, even when you um, attempt to to let them know how it makes you feel, how it affects your life. Yeah. Because the addict really doesn't care. That all or nothing mentality is, you know, give me an eight ball of Coke and I'm not going to sniff it a little bit at a time. I'm going to do all of it. And then when it's done, I'm going to come down and go to the nothing. And mm. then when I, when I start nourishing myself a little bit, the first thing on my mind is go go back to find that eight ball, whatever the addiction happens to be, and that all or nothing is nothing more than a, a, you know a, a quick way to die. Yeah, um, it, 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 there's no getting around it, and unless you get a hold of it and start, um, you know, and and I don't, I'm not one who likes to replace habits with other habits. Um, I like to go to the uh, the core of of why we do things in our life. So Melissa mentioned that I'm a, a relationship coach and I've been doing that for, oh, since 2007. And um, a real quick scenario on that, I, had, I, I don't have a certification. Um, 
I only take referrals or people who um, um, uh, have met me and were interested in a conversation I had wrapped around relationships. Uh, and uh, it started by uh, having been in sales, uh, specific, specifically auto sales, um, I was managing a team of 18 of the best salespeople I'd ever known, but they all had severe issues with uh, all or nothing because when you sell cars, you, you do your pitch, you do everything you can uh, to make your sale, and then if you make your sale, you're excited and you're exuberant, you've got that high, the endorphins are going, I made a sale, great, and then you um, when you don't make that sale, uh, it's just equally as bad because you go, oh my God, I've got to feed my family. And the statistics are, if you're really, a really a good salesperson, uh, three out of 10 um, presentations, you'll sell something. So That's a lot of more, rejection. Yeah, you have more rejection in sales than ever. So I mm-hmm. managed a team of, of, of really sharp salespeople who were only as good as their last sale. Hmm. And so a lot of times, you know, and you know, there's a there's a, a lot of um, repercussions that that happen in in lives that that have this up and down, this all or nothing thing. Um, so these these people, these these guys and girls that I managed, they uh, you know they had families that uh, um, had the same. Well, they, they were connected to their commissions, if you will. In other mm-hmm. words, they knew how much they were going to be able to to pay for, for groceries or get gas or buy a new car or whatever. And they, uh, they, he would come, they would come home and the first thing, typically the wife or the husband, whichever the case may be, will say, did you sell anything today? And there's so many times that they, they had to say, no, I didn't. Or, uh, so the long story short is I became their coach instead of their manager. And all I did was coach them to a position of where, they could see the abundance in the job they were doing and what it, what it, what it brought into their life rather than the rejection that they got. And they, and so we turned it around to not looking at the, um, the person that or the, or the customer that didn't buy the car, but to look at, how great the presentation was and that if they just continued to do that presentation over and over, they had to believe in the process that it will work. And so I would just cause them to build themselves up and be more productive rather than busy. Cause a lot of times they run out of things to do things to say, uh, you know, it's, we're, we don't have any clients. There's nobody coming in the door. And so we worked, we worked on themselves um, being the best they could be. Because I said, if you do your best and you know deep in your heart that you've done your best, you won't have problems. You'll be a great salesperson. You'll be a great person. So in my relationship coaching, um, it's really that simple. I, I, and um, just so you know it, I don't think there's uh, one client that I've had that really didn't have an addiction of some kind. Right. Because when they when they come to me, they're usually the individual who hasn't had great relationships in their lives, um, and their and they and the goals that they've always attempted to achieve were never met, 
and it was the same situation. So they'd see somebody, they'd, they'd, they'd fall real quickly for someone. They wanted someone to love them so badly that they would fall for them. And then they didn't realize that um, there's more to that relationship than just finding that some, someone. Um, there is the constant working with them and, and communicating with them so that if they didn't do things that um, worked for, their, for each other, they would, they would talk about it. And they would work things out to the point where no one's good or bad, no one's right or wrong. You're not broken. You don't need to be fixed. You're perfect just the way you are. Mm-hmm. It's my contention that people are born perfect. And then we have an occurrence in our life, uh, we all have it, that causes you to have pain or loss or something and then you, you have to, at that point, determine how you're going to be in order to protect yourself so that this pain or suffering or loss doesn't hurt so much. Um, and some people hide out. Some people, um, they go to drugs. They go to the extremes. Uh, some people um, um, give away their voice. They won't speak out. They, when they know what they want, they're afraid to even ask for it. So the the addictions that we have in life and the people that we are, we're surrounded with have, um, it's, it's really simple. Um, if, if you love yourself, and when I say if you love yourself, it means do you honor yourself in, in your life? It's not about being honest. Yeah, I'm an honest person. I, you know, I, I always stop at a red light. I don't, you know, I don't run the yellow or a green, yeah, yellow, yellow light. I don't run it. I, I'm cautious. Um, but if you honor yourself, it means that you live in a level of integrity where your commitment is so strong that there, nothing will stop you from getting what you said you would do, doing mm-hmm. what you said you would do. And, and that's a way of being. And I call it the, um, that you, you make a declaration to yourself that says, um, uh, I know what's right and I know what's wrong, and I'm going to always do what's right. Now, it isn't possible to be perfect, so you have to give yourself that, that leeway to say, I'm going to do the best I can. And if you're honestly giving it the best you have, then you will almost always get the best results. Right. Now, the caveat to that is, or caveat to that is, there's always going to be something and someone that comes into your life that's going to um, challenge that. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the referee in a ball game. Mm-hmm. Referee doesn't care who wins or loses. The referee is only there to de- deliver either the reward um, for doing the right thing or the penalty. And he doesn't care who wins the, wins the game of life. So life keeps coming at us, and we have to figure out how we're, how we're going to deal with this life. Whether we're going to allow, uh, you know, the opponent, the little voice that you get on your shoulder that says, you know, screw it, take another drink. What's it going to hurt? Right. You know, or you've got the, the, the player that's, the other side of it that says, you know, I've got the ball. I want to shoot. I want to make baskets. I want to win my life. So it's that, that conversation you have with yourself 
that causes all of this behavior, um, and and it, it always goes to all or nothing. It's either you've got your opponent telling you to screw up, you know, to hell with everybody else. This is my world. I'm grabbing a piece of it, and I, I don't care about it. anybody else. Or the player that says, "Look, I I want to do what's right. I want to be the best I can, and I'm going to love myself so much that others will love me." Yeah. That's the reality. If, if you don't love yourself, who really wants to love you? What I found out in my two failed ma- marriages, and I took, and, and here's the interesting part, both of my wives, at one point, one was uh, 40 years old, well, 30 years old, and he'd been married six and a half years, woke up one day and just said, I don't want to be married, Al. Hmm. It's not you. You're a great guy. I just don't want to be married. And I said, well, you know, <laughs> just like that? And we didn't have fights. We weren't battling with each other. Life just was so um, continuous, and there was nothing there to satisfy her um, because I was not—I wasn't present. Right. Uh, my second wife, who who we had three children with, um, same thing. At, at the age of uh, forty, one day he just came and said, "I don't want to be married. It's not you. You're a great guy." I'll always love you, but I don't want to be married. And same scenario. No, there was no conversation around it. Um, both times within a week or two, um, I was out of the house. And I take full responsibility for m- the loss of my marriages because I knew that I obviously wasn't giving all that I could be giving. I wasn't doing my best. When you were around, were you present? Like, were you able to be in the moment or were you... Um, yes, I was because okay. that was, that was my safe haven. So when I was home, that's why I said, I knew my kids loved me. I knew my life, my wife was happy with me. Um, but, but it's like getting married and saying, um, okay, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do everything. I'll do 75% of all the work it takes to, to have a relationship and you only have to do 25%. Well, 25% isn't enough. It's too skewed. To the to the all side, right? So um, when I was there, I was present, but but I wasn't my best because I I didn't get a lot of time off. I didn't get a lot of time off, so it was it was it wasn't as present as I could be. Hmm. But I but I knew that I loved I loved my family and I loved my kids and and um, the long story to this is um, I'm I'm still in contact with. Uh, both of my wives. Um, as a matter of fact, the, my second wife, um, when when we when we divorced, um, it was a tough thing for the kids, and we sat them down and told them about it. And um, you know, it, we asked the kids what they wanted, and they they wanted to have um, holidays together and birthdays together still, and and they wanted to they were hanging on to being a family. And um, I looked at my my wife and I said, I'm in for that if you're in for it. She said, absolutely. So our divorce ended. I mean, we we had our divorce and um, it turned out that, um, you know, the kids' request kept us connected because now instead of focusing on our relationship, our relationship was different from going from a, a parent 
I mean, a, a husband um, scenario. Now, um, my relationship with her was a mother, mother of my children, and she, you know, she, she'll always be someone I love. I used to tell the kids, I said, I'd, I'd take a boat for your mother, yeah. and I still would to this day. Uh, because she's the mother of my kids, I would never want any harm to, to come to her. And uh, and so we actually, <laughs> some people don't get this. It's really uncomfortable for them. But I have Sunday family dinners here uh, at my home. And um, my ex-wife and her husband come. And um, my ex-mother-in-law comes, who I love dearly. And she's just a sweet person. Um, and all of our, our, our children's friends it's, it's like this. Usually in divorce, a lot of times, if two people get divorced, you have two different sides of relatives, you have two different sides of friends, and then you have mutual friends. And some of the friends and some of the relatives go by the wayside because we don't know how to be comfortable around that situation. Well, in my house, everybody comes, and um, we didn't lose anybody because... We didn't go that all-or-nothing route. We figured a way to get, get into a solution and, and honor ourselves uh, as our word and, and, and love ourselves, and it, and it made life so much easier. And as a matter of fact, my ex-wife and my current wife are best of friends. They probably talk to each other three, four, five times a month and um, because we're still all with our kids. Yeah, and working together with them, you know. Um, I have so much respect things. for. I have so much respect for what you guys have created too. But that didn't and, happen by accident. Oh no, it took some work. Yeah, it took some work. There, there was some ups and downs, and um, and and we actually even go on vacations together. The kids say, "I say, let's let's go on a family vacation." So, my wife and her husband, and sometimes his his kids come, um, and. We uh, we all um, celebrate, you know, our happiness, and and it's not uncomfortable. And not one time ever, ever has anyone had a fight yeah. during these occasions. No one's. It's it's the same as as real. We're real, we're still a family. We still have our original relationships. They're just different. They changed a little bit. So when. Uh, when you think of, of addiction, you have to think of how um, it, I'll use my, my, my coaching model. There's three models, three pieces to it. First thing is awareness. Second is responsibility. And the third is action. So in order for people to affect change in their life, they have to know who they are and how they're showing up based on fact, based on reality. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and the second model is responsibility. You have to take responsibility for your life because it's your life. You've made all these decisions up until now. You can't put it on someone else. You can't use the referee because someone died in your, in your family. That, that, that was really a bad thing to you. It didn't happen to you. It just happens. Life happens. Yeah. And life doesn't care. It just keeps coming at you. So if, if you, um, if you take response, like when I when I got divorced, I immediately took responsibility. It was my law. I, I I screwed up. I didn't do what I was supposed to. The responsibility model is easy. You you can do it in, in a moment. You can do it in a in a thought. Right. If you're that type of person, 
if you honor yourself and you take responsibility in life and you don't put it on someone else. Um, and then the last one is the most difficult. It's the action. Like you said, Melissa, did it take some time? Absolutely, it took some time to get there. But getting there, we were able to establish what each person wanted in life, what worked for them and what didn't work for them. So many times people um, want to blame somebody or they want to take it off themselves or they want to accuse somebody um, when in reality you have to take a look at it's your life and you're making all the decisions in your life. So why, why would you put that on your results on somebody else? And the only thing that's needed in order to get that working again is to figure out how you're going to treat each other and, and have concrete things that you'll, you'll go into. Uh, so for instance, my wife and I, when, when I say, um, Oh, let's see. Oh, I, I, uh, I cook every day. I was in the restaurant business for a lot of years. I love cooking. It's one of my, one of my passions. I cook seven days a week and my wife doesn't cook, doesn't know how to cook. And, um, I don't want her to learn. <laughs> so my kitchen, my kitchen is my haven. It's my, it's my canvas, if you will. And I ask her to, um, don't put the, uh, the, the dishes in the dishwasher. I'll do that. Set them in the sink. Cause I like to do it. Yeah. All right. And she wouldn't have known that if I had not asked her and said, this is, this is what I like. And she says, I'm glad to do that. You know? And, and, she has little things that she wants of me, um, things that, that, that work for her and don't work for her, and we have a quick conversation, um, and we agree to it one way or the other. It's, 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 it's not a rule or it's a condition. We, um, my condition is, is this. I, I, want, I would like to have nothing on the countertops mm-hmm. of my kitchen. And she says, okay, uh, how about just a coffee pot? Because I, I don't want to have to pull a coffee pot. I said, that works for me. So we've, we've, over the years, have agreed to the things that we want and we communicate. That's and communication, huge. Yeah, communication is, is only valid and effective. I mean, valid if, if it's effective communication. Mm-hmm. How, many times, how many times has somebody said they were fighting? And they weren't fighting, but you walked in and um, you looked at your spouse and they looked at you and you could, they said, What's the matter? You mean what's the matter? You know what's wrong. Right. I have, I have no clue what's wrong. <laughs> I mean, how am I supposed to know? I didn't, I didn't realize I had done something. And it's because people don't ask for what they want. They don't say, this works for me or this doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And, and they, don't, they don't engage themselves. So it's the practicing of all of this. That, that leads to the actions that get you what you want. And uh, the, the upside to all of it is, is that um, you, can, you can absolutely have anything you want and you will, you will start taking on. When you start loving yourself and treating yourself that way um, and, and living a high level of integrity, um, you will get all of the rewards in life that you want because in reality what's happening is is you're believing that um, anything, everything, or nothing is possible. All right, what did you guys think? I 
I love that man. He just is pure love. So I hope that you enjoyed it. And also I wanted to tell you guys about 60 Seconds of Solitude, which is my daily one-minute meditation podcast that I just released last week. You can find that at on iTunes under 60 Seconds of Solitude or on the web at 60secondsofsolitude.com. Also, I am on Instagram and right now I have about 450 followers. I'm hoping to hit 1,000 followers by the end of this week. So you can follow me there at 60 Seconds of Solitude. Thank you. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Addiction Support Podcast. Addiction support for family and friends from people who've been there. www.addictionsupportpodcast.com. Thank you.